0: Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, rates under the Affordable Care Act are going up again in Mississippi, but can tax credits help with the cost? Then, preparing for severe weather in the state during the fall and winter.
1: Tornadoes are an event that can happen 365 days a year in Mississippi. In wintertime, we've seen really from November uh, through February, we've seen since 1950 over 700 tornadoes that have hit our state.
0: Later, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on shortness of breath and navigating a complex world while providing for a person with special needs. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Insurance costs under the Affordable Care Act are going up. Many Mississippians may be eligible for tax credits to help make up the difference. In Mississippi, premiums will increase an average of 43% for Humana and 7% for Ambetter, the only two providers in the state under Obamacare. Tax credits also are increasing at about the same rate. Roy Mitchell is with the Mississippi Health Advocacy Program. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier many in the state still don't understand the tax tax Credits are available to them.
2: Fortunately, financial assistance will protect many Mississippians from rising pr- premiums proposed by the insurers. And uh, uh, we urge uh, consumers to shop around, see what kind of money they can save. And 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 there's there's a problem with health literacy in the state uh, to the extent that most Mississippians don't understand that the tax credits are available to them, and it's uh, it's quite a savings that that if they utilize this, it makes it much more affordable. In fact, 93% of Mississippians that are currently in the ACA um, are eligible for those tax credits.
3: What is the problem that people are not aware that there are credits when they apply for the insurance online? Isn't there a process? They go through an operator who's supposed to um, help them navigate the website and sign up.
2: Yes, healthcare.gov it does have a process, um, but it's it's very confusing and the nomenclature of health insurance is in itself complicated. It's hard to understand and for a lot of Mississippians, this is the first time they've had insurance. This is the first time they've heard these terms copays, deductibles, tax credits, and it is very confusing and there is help out there available we have a program called Health Help Mississippi um, and we recognize the, the problems in Mississippi, the low retention rates, um, the fact that, as you just stated, most Mississippians probably don't know they're eligible for these tax credits. So um, if they can call our office at one 314 3843 we have certified application counselors. Um, that can help them and walk them through the process. Um, and, and I've had friends and relatives contact me who were looking at the marketplace and were just utterly confused. And it really helps to have, uh, if you will, a Mississippian walk them through the process.
3: If you have an agent that is selling them insurance or a broker, wouldn't they be required to explain that they have these opportunities available?
2: Well, they do, Um, and uh, to the credit of a lot of agents, we work with a lot of agents um, in in our consumer advocacy work because they're motivated to get people enrolled. To to their credit, I I think uh, a lot of the agents have done a lot of really good outreach in the state, and they are working with consumer advocates. Um, It's just unfortunate that there isn't more uh, resources available to do outreach and education in this state. Um, there are federal entities that are tasked with that. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of these organizations have limited resources. They may not have the capacity to do uh, what it takes to do state outreach enrollment in this state. And I, I think that's one of the things that's really hurt us in terms of these statistics that you quoted.
3: Let's talk about the increase. Uh, substantial increase is expected?
2: I, I believe that the announcement came out couple of months ago that the increases were to be expected um, but you know um, as I said earlier, the majority of people impacted by the increase in the rates are going to pe- be people that are not receiving tax credits and in Mississippi, ninety three percent of those enrolled in the ACA receive tax credits the the rates it's unfortunate that they're going up it's the reality of the health care marketplace rates have gone up for years I think the positive side of it is that we have, tra- under the ACA, we have transparency. At least we know these rates are being increased before, it was kind of clandestine. Um, but now we know these rates are coming. We have tax credits that are based on a person's income, so it softens the impact of that, again, for 93% of Mississippians. And Mississippians really need to get out there and look at the marketplace and maybe reevaluate their plans and um it, there's still some options that may be affordable for people that are that are experiencing a rate increase.
3: So this tax credit, uh, will this offset the increase that they see?
2: Yes, it should. It's uh, it, the tax credit is based on their income. And uh, they should see a corresponding increase in their tax credit, along with the, the tax rate. And again, this doesn't impact all Mississippians. Um, it's, I think, you know, the, the ACA, does it need tweaking? Absolutely. Um, and I think we're going to see changes next year um, with, with a new federal administration. Um, but, you know, Medicare gets tweaked every year.
0: MPB's Desiree Fraser with Roy Mitchell of the Mississippi Health Advocacy Program on Rising Affordable Care Act Insurance Rates and Tax Credits. Up next, preparing for severe weather in the state during the fall and winter. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. The stretch-thin Secret Service is on a hiring binge but stymied by cases of applicants rejected because of abusive prescription drugs, especially
3: Adderall.
4: They've emerged because a lot of the candidates don't view their use of substances like Adderall necessarily as being wrong.
0: That's next time, here and now.
2: Today at noon on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Emergency management officials are urging Mississippians to be prepared for the possibility of severe weather this fall and winter. Since 1950, Mississippi has been hit by 772 tornadoes between the months of November and February. That's according to the National Weather Service. Last year, on December 23rd, an EF-3 tornado struck Clarksdale and an EF-4 tornado hit Holly Springs and Benton County. State Emergency Management Director Lee Smithson says all Mississippians need to take steps to be prepared. Tornadoes
1: are an event that can happen 365 days a year in Mississippi. And wintertime, we've seen really from November uh, through February, we've seen since 1950 over 700 tornadoes that have hit our state. And the, the worst thing about this period of time for, for tornadoes is so many of them happen at night. And that's when people just really let their guard down. So starting this week, we've just been asking that uh, Mississippians start paying attention to all of the type of severe weather phenomenon that we can see in the winter months and, of course. To Today uh, is the most significant one with uh, t- t- tornado preparedness, and we'll be having a tornado a statewide tornado uh, drill at at nine fifteen this morning. All
0: right, so coming up pretty soon here. How many communities? Do you have any idea how many communities are equipped with sirens so that they? Can warn of a tornado? I think that
1: we're very fortunate in Mississippi in that respect, that uh, a lot of money has been spent over the past 10 years. So about 75 percent of all of our communities do have some type of warning system. But the problem is, is we're still a rural enough state that the warnings don't get out to everyone. So that's why we ask uh, all Mississippians to have that redundant system, uh, a, a NOAA weather radio in their home, an app on their phone, or pay attention to to the media and social media.
0: And thank goodness for apps now on the phone. For those people who don't have a NOAA radio, explain how there are emergency alerts that you can get through your telephone. That's right.
1: That, that's one of the greatest things I think that that the the new age of wireless communications has brought into us is the applications that people can put on their phone to download uh, a, a NOAA weather app or just the local uh, media stations. You can put the weather, weather uh, apps on your phone. So, and I think that we've really seen uh, lives that have been saved as a result of that. And just for instance, uh, last, this, this past February, we had three separate tornado outbreaks, 33 confirmed tornadoes that touched down, and one fatality. So, just
0: incredible. And in fact, you, know, you were going back to 1950. You can look at last year, or this current year, early in the year, and then last December, right before Christmas, we had a really rough patch with tornadoes. We
1: did. And and, and again, that's why we're asking all Mississippians to really focus on this time of year as being a significant threat for tornadoes. The December 23rd tornado hit in late afternoon. We actually lost people who were out Christmas shopping because they just weren't paying attention. I think that to accentuate the positive, though, I think that that's why people were really paying attention in the February outbreaks that we had is because recent memory was the December 23rd tornado outbreak where 11 Mississippians lost their
0: lives. And I don't know if it was the year before or two years before Christmas Day was a, a day filled with severe weather.
1: We've had we've had tornado outbreaks really the last three Decembers that that, that we've seen uh, significant outbreaks either before or right on Christmas Day. So again, uh, it's, it's the holiday times, it's time for families to get together, but it's also times for people to make sure that you have a good plan, whether you're at home, uh, you're at visiting relatives, or you're just out any communities, we just ask that people be be focused on on developing a plan and know where they need to go in the event of severe weather
0: so if an area has thunderstorms. On the way Or actually occurring That should be A tip off to people They need to pay attention To the possibility Of tornadoes
1: Absolutely Because in the wintertime With with cold fronts That will come in As we see in the south Anytime you have The threat of severe thunderstorms You're going to have That threat for tornadoes As well
0: And you also want people To plan for severe thunderstorms Because you can get High winds That aren't tornadoes Well you can get Straight
1: line winds That do just as much damage As a tornado does And also the number one Killer of Americans is, is, Is flooding So we can have Flash flooding as a result of these th- severe thunderstorms, so it's not just the wind uh, that that can threaten your life. It's also the flooding that can occur with it. And, uh, and two December's ago, we had some pretty widespread flash flooding uh, with the storm system that came through. So I was going as to well ask as you don't
0: think of flash flooding during the winter months, right?
1: But, but, when you've got a thunderstorm you've got a, a large inundation of rain you're going to have the threat of flooding as well
0: you know we always we know there's preparation for hurricane season, and actually there are more kinds of things to prepare for this time of year, as you said flooding, flash flooding, severe thunderstorms, and tornadoes. What do you recommend in terms of how to best be prepared as a i mean certainly you want to pay attention to the weather and what's going on, but how can you prepare to protect your home, to protect your family ahead of time? Do you need to have a plan in place?
1: Absolutely, and that, it doesn't matter whether it's a hurricane, a tornado, a flash flood, a a preparedness plan is just that. It's a preparedness plan. So what we ask that, that all Mississippians do is come up with their family plan. So if it's severe weather that's threatening, know which room in the house to go to. Be prepared for the power to be out for 72 hours and so have that food, have one gallon of drinking water per person per day. But it, as important as that is, and it is very, very important, I also need to know what their plan is at work, what their plan is in schools, and the school systems in Mississippi do a very, very good job. But if you're out shopping or just out in the community, just understand where a good, safe place to go might be. And for instance, if you're in the grocery store, go into the coolers because those are very well reinforced. Uh, so just know where to go. But Pay attention to the weather, too, because what we really ask people to do and it's part of being prepared is stay off of the roads if, if there's severe weather coming. Um, get out of mobile homes and just just know what you should be doing because nothing is worth risking the life of your family to be out doing Christmas shopping or something like that.
0: Lee Smithson is the executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Lee, thanks so much. It's my pleasure, Karen. Up next, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on shortness of breath. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Many people deal with shortness of breath, but it's not a condition to ignore. Folks describe shortness of breath in different ways. Sometimes it's a feeling of breathlessness, or sometimes you just can't get enough air in or out. Shortness of breath can be a frightening experience, especially if it's never happened to you before. It can be caused by lung or heart problems, low red blood cell counts, also known as anemia, or just being out of shape. Many times shortness of breath is caused by simple problems like respiratory tract infections or allergies. However, it's difficult for most folks to tell when it's serious or not without medical help. Most causes of shortness of breath can be treated once the cause is identified. Shortness of breath that comes and goes over months or years is called chronic shortness of breath and can occur with asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as emphysema, a lung condition that affects smokers, heart failure from inability to pump blood to the rest of the body, obesity, and pulmonary hypertension, a condition with high blood pressure in the arteries to your lungs. Your health provider will order the appropriate test to diagnose the cause of your shortness of breath. These might include a hematocrit to check for anemia, a BNP to check for heart failure, chest x-rays to look at the lungs, an electrocardiogram to check out the heart, or breathing test or blood oxygen levels. If you develop sudden shortness of breath, you should see a healthcare provider immediately. If you have severe sudden shortness of breath, or it's associated with chest pain or nausea, call 911 for transportation to the closest emergency room then. Shortness of breath is not a symptom to ignore. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo.
0: This election year has been unpredictable. It can be hard to keep track of what's true and what's not. But NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians who are parents or guardians for special needs individuals can face a daunting task while navigating the world of benefits, insurance, and health care. A changing landscape of options doesn't make it any easier. We spoke with Richard Courtney, an elder care attorney, about special needs guardianship uh, and parents and the law. He says planning ahead can help provide peace of mind for parents of the disabled. There
4: are some Medicaid benefits for children in low income households up to age 19, depending on the household income, when the children are not even disabled. It's to provide some basic medical insurance for young children to keep them healthier so they become good, productive citizens. Then, as uh, but for children who have disabilities who are under age 18, there is the Disabled Child Living at Home Medicaid program that provides. Uh, Therapy and other Medicaid payments for services. My daughter had that while she was a child, Uh, even though we had sufficient income and assets that otherwise she may not have been available, uh, been eligible. Then there's SSI benefits for someone over 18 uh, that doesn't really depend on the. Parents' income and assets, and Once
0: that's Social Security. What's the I stand for? The
4: SSI is Supplemental Security oh. Income, and it's through the Social Security Administration.
0: And that is a a, a separate Social Security benefit from the regular Social Security benefit. Yes,
4: there's Social Security retirement that we know you get when you turn 62 or older and you've worked enough. There's Social Security disability for someone who is disabled and can't work anymore and applies for that, but they have worked in the past enough to become eligible. And And SSI is really more of a, uh, it's a needs-based program, more like a welfare model. You don't have to have ever worked to be eligible for SSI.
0: Can you work and still be eligible for SSI? You can.
4: My daughter worked for a while after she graduated from community college and still got some SSI payment because they don't deduct from your payment all of your earnings if you're working. So you do get to work and earn some amount of money before you would lose your entire SSI payment.
0: Let's move to the future now. If you are the caregiver of a person with disabilities and you're getting older and they're getting older, there comes a time when you're concerned about their future because yours is shorter. So what kind of plan should be in place as you start to age and are concerned about uh, your son or daughter?
4: Well, I think that people should consider parents and grandparents should consider having wills or trusts in place and trust particularly because a special needs trust that would be there to hold funds for the benefit of my daughter without being counted as her money. So it won't disqualify her for some Medicaid benefits she may be eligible for now or in the future. So the trust we set up for the parent or grandparent can hold those monies they want to put in there. Then they can put life insurance money in there or Their will can leave assets through their estate at death to the trust for that child. So there's someone with the good capacity as a trustee to manage those funds and take care of that child on into the future. That's a great part of planning is setting up wills and trusts and powers of attorney so that the parents, when they become unable to continue caring for the needs of that child, there is someone in place as a guardian. Appointed in their wills there is someone in place as a trustee of a trust to man to pay for things that child will need in the future
0: if there's no place for that child to go that adult child mm-hmm. who requires attention if you don't have money to leave them do they does the responsibility for their care go to the state
4: well if there is no one there to care for them then they would have to go to some facility where their care needs can be met. Depends on the level of care that they need. So it may be a, a nursing home if it's someone with a significant disability and there's no longer parents at home to care for them. They might have to go there. Uh, there may be some other uh, facilities that the Department of Human Services sets up or they become fostered out uh, in that program. But it it would be a difficult situation to not have done any planning, and provide for those needs.
0: What are some of the options for the adult child when the family is gone? I mean, you said there's a a will. You can make them a beneficiary in your will, and you set up a trust. What does that trust do exactly, and how is that managed? Well, the,
4: the adult child with a disability, once parents are gone, if the child has the mental capacity to understand some things they're doing, where they want to live, who they want to associate with. They may still have the ability to make those decisions, but there may be some needs for funding care, where they're living, paying the bill there, and that sort of thing. The trust that we're talking about is a third-party special needs trust. We've created one for our daughter, and it will be the holding vessel for funds or property that we want to leave to that trust or place in it now, For gifts that family members may want to give her, they can give it to the trust. And right now we're the trustees, but it says at our deaths, my wife and I are not there anymore, a successor trustee that we name will step in and take over, handling those assets for the benefit of our daughter with a disability. So there's someone always with good capacity. Picking the right trustee is important to be there to manage the funds, to pay for the things, the food, the clothing, the shelter and medical care that she needs.
0: Does making um, a will and establishing the trust require the services of an attorney? And I ask you, knowing that you're an attorney that specializes in this sort of thing.
4: Right, and and my answer is yes. <laughs> um, Do-it-yourself estate planning is not a smart thing to do. Attorneys make a lot more money fixing messed-up estate plans than they do charging to do it right the first time. And so there are issues with with disabled beneficiaries that are not there in just the routine run-of-the-mill estate planning with healthy people.
0: October is Special Needs Law Month, and we've been speaking with Richard Courtney of Courtney Elder Law Associates, and he is a certified elder care attorney with a a specialty, specializing in uh, special needs planning. So, Thank you so much, Richard.
4: It's been my pleasure.
0: Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Fix It 101, Everyday Tech and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
2: It's Marketplace.